Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, White Sox fans. Brett Ballantini here with pregame podcast from Southside Sox number six. It's our third of the year, second of the regular season, and first for home games. We are just hours away from the White Sox, uh, enjoying their home opener, all the pomp and circumstance, three o'clock-ish first pitch, probably going to be a little later than that. Hopefully weather holds up really nice, and it's just going to be a great day, including a third straight win for the White Sox. Previewing the season home opener with me is Adrian Serrano, not napping on the couch, but here with us for some podcast energy. And Adrian, let's first talk about, before we get to all the good stuff, because there's a lot of good stuff to talk about, and we really should probably lead off with good stuff. So you know what? I'm going to reverse course, Adrian. Let's talk about good stuff about the White Sox. Of course, first of all, two and a half, two and three quarters wins out of three games in Detroit. But unfortunately in the standings, uh, just two out of three. Uh, But to me, the offense uh, is doing exactly what it needs to be doing for the White Sox to be successful right out of the gate while the rotation and maybe even the bullpen are trying to sort of get themselves together. Uh, You're seeing contact. You're seeing the guys that you need to be coming through pretty much coming through with even some surprises for guys you wouldn't accept uh, expect it from. Um, I'm guessing you're about as pleased you can be with the offense as well. Yeah, I don't think you can be too mad about uh, scoring 10 runs without, you know, Yohan Moncada and Yasmani Grandal in the lineup. Um, I think we've seen a bit of patience from some of the guys, which has been nice. You know, they've been working counts a little bit. Um, That first game, it did feel like they kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe kind of took it down a notch after the starter left. I don't know. It was weird. It looked like they were really keyed up and, you know, really working counts and really trying um, and then as the bullpen kind of came in for Detroit and, you know, 
obviously the offense is not what let that game get away from them, but like it did feel like that was going to be a 10 run game, you know, kind of at the time uh, early on in that. Uh, but it's, um, I think it's, it's good, especially with Tim back. It just feels different mm-hmm. when Tim's out there. Yeah. I mean, it's not forget. Okay. First, the first two games, White Sox offense does pretty well, as you said, sort of petered out the first uh, in game one, sort of strange. That looked like that could be a 10 run game as well, but all right. No Tim Anderson, the first two games, no Yamakata this whole series. And of course guys are always out, but I mean, we're not talking about a full strength White Sox team. And let's just pray. We don't have a, a lineup at any point where we're missing like a third or more of the lineup as, as happened last year with Madrigal out uh, basically for the season with uh, uh uh, Luis Robert out for so uh, long and Eloy, of course, um, you know, you could take these hits here and there, but you really want these guys full strength, but not, as you point out, we've seen them not full strength, basically all three games so far, not full strength, not their optimal lineup and really, really clicking something that jumps out at me. Yeah. Adrian, I'm sure you too is a lack of strikeouts or making contact. And I'm guessing that has to be related a little bit to the fact that this is a stronger offensive lineup than we've really seen them have even without Yoan. Uh, and hopefully there's a mentality that's coming from uh, Menachino on down of just saying, hey, the guy behind you is, you know, can pick you up, you know, patience. I mean, not everybody's going to be as Grandal, of course, but the idea that there's not weak spots and that maybe they don't feel any need to press if you're in the six holds, like, oh, my God, the, the, the last third of this order is just a, a dump. Um, you know, hopefully it's it just makes it even easier to say, you know what, I'm going to. I'm going to wait for my pitch. If the guy gets me fine, but you know, I'm not going to go chasing, you know, fishing right off the bat. It seems like they've got, they're locked in with a really good mentality, not necessarily something we saw in spring training either. So it was great to see them in Detroit, bad, uh, bad conditions and still <laughs> really rock the ball all three games. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah. I think there is something to that. Just knowing kind of the way that the lineup is put together that, um, there is so much firepower that there's not really a lot of guys that don't have any protection. I think maybe if we saw it in game one, like something that put an end to the scoring early kind of was Tony's decision to put uh, Leary uh, pretty early up. I think he batted six in that first game. So like, you know, uh, Eloy didn't get a lot of pitches in that game because like you're not going to challenge Eloy with the fastball when you know Leary's behind him. Like no offense to Leary. He's a great player and he's, you know, he's more than capable as a major leaguer, but like, you're going to yeah. take your chances. Scrappy. Right. Yeah. Scrappy. You're going to let him try to beat you before you're going to let yeah. uh, Eloy beat you. Um, I, I think, yeah, just, and guys like uh, Luis Robert, just kind of taking that next step in year uh, three now and looking like he's going to try to, you know, reduce some of those strikeouts that have been a problem for him and kind of take more pitches. And he seems more, um, adept at just kind of like working counts and looking for his pitch instead mm-hmm. of just being up there and being, you know, defensive and relying on athleticism and guessing. And this is uh, something you would see uh, hopefully na- naturally progressing uh, with the young players. You got guys now, I got two, three seasons under their belt, even though, you know, Robert and, and, and uh, Eloy and, you know, a number of these guys have had like partial seasons. I mean, they're, they're, they're getting a lot of reps under their belts. And hopefully that just comes with some maturity. The fact that uh, injuries haven't popped up to the degree where, you know, even Jake Berger was only forced into the lineup that very first game. It's not like he has to be playing every game where he would be this true rookie and, and maybe making a lot of those mistakes and pressing. You really don't have that because even Andrew Vaughn, who I guess in most cases is going to be the youngest guy in the lineup on any given day, 
I mean, he's a guy who comes sort of like as this professional hitter, even though he's still a very young guy. I mean, you don't jump from high A to the majors without having maturity that goes beyond your years. So this team, you could argue, really doesn't even boast any like young, raw guys on a regular basis. And that's only going to help the patience, you know, hopefully the contact, the confidence, you know, the fact that really no one pitcher is ever really going to just kill their confidence and destroy their offense. Mm-hmm. They really are going to be in it for nine innings, you'd think, uh, you know, even if a guy sort of has them, you know, for first or second time through the order, you know, that they really have shown an ability you know, to rally, even in their loss. I mean, they did sort of keep fighting yeah, back. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think with 2020 being such a weird year for everybody, um, it kind of throws everything off. Like we forget that, you know, Luis Robert still only has like, you know, he hasn't even gotten to the 700 at bat in a point yeah. in his career yet, you know, so like you really can't tell who the hitter is going to be until they hit a thousand, you know, so, you know, he's honestly only got a few hundred more at bats than Andrew Vaughn does, you know, like, <laughs> even like it seems like well, he's been in the league so much longer, but like he really hasn't because he only played in that 60 games and then missed so much of last year, like they're really not that far off from each other as far as, uh, you know, pro experience um, at the plate. So it, it's exciting to see them both kind of developing and seeing them making changes. And, you know, now you've gone through the first phase where you come up and they don't know anything about you and then they'll make an adjustment and then it's your job to make an adjustment and then they'll make an adjustment again. So like we're kind of in the third phase now of like, all right, you know, they're going to, you've made your adjustment. Now we'll wait for the pitching to catch up to that and uh, they'll make their adjustment. Um, But luckily there's a lot of other guys in this lineup so they can struggle and um, it's not going to be as big of a a deal as it has been in the past for these teams when you're really relying on, you know, two or three guys to really carry the load. Um, You know, Eloy for sure in these last three games, like he hasn't really crushed any balls, but like uh, he's got a couple RBIs and like, he's one of, I think four guys in the league that has not swung and missed yet this year. So when he's swinging, he's making contact. So like he's not in sync yet because it's still early in the year, but like he's seeing the ball incredibly well. And like, so there's something, there's something going on with the team as far as like the way they're preparing and the way that they're going about it offensively, that seems to be um, exciting going forward that like something's working. They're seeing the ball. Well, they're taking counts like, you know, they're going to start producing at a high level. And it's such a pleasant surprise because again, for the first two games, you don't even have your spark plug who you really expect to be the guy who sort of drives the rest of this lineup. And let's face it, Tim Anderson still is that guy, but the idea that he doesn't have to necessarily be the guy running up and down the dugout, motor mouthing it, getting in everybody's heads, getting them all, you know, psyched up. And, you know, now maybe the rest of this offense just, it's just as eager to attack as Tim yeah. is, but let's just talk about Tim for a second. How delightful is it, Adrian? This is a guy, obviously a homegrown product, a guy who we've seen grow before eyes, even defensively, which was, of yeah. course, I guess his weakest point, and he has grown at least, I think you could argue, to at least an, an average defender at shortstop at this point, which is the, really, the I, you know, a, a fair expectation yeah. for him. Uh, but this is a guy who really every year has gotten better and... <laughs> That's just rare. I mean, we do, I mean, we just are not used to seeing that. This is a guy who really is, as much as it seems like a cliche, sort of growing before our eyes. And that's both in this, you know, leadership way, guy who came up very quiet and now he is, you cannot shut him up and it's delightful. But also as a player, you know, people say, oh, the Babbitt or, you know, it's just, it's a product of his wheels, which is a Babbitt thing too. He is, he's like, he's defying it every year and he's come out of the gate uh, on Sunday, um, like, 
yeah, I wasn't sitting in the hotel watching, you know, the game for two games. I, you know, I was, you know, yeah. it's like the guy was playing. I mean, whether he's your favorite guy or not, just the fact that we've got this homegrown guy, mm-hmm. this guy who didn't come in with any hype, probably came with a lot of doubts given that he was a, he could have easily fallen in the line of a lot of failed White Sox draft choices. And just to see him not only succeed and actually be able to produce even at a, a, a minimal level at the, the major league level, but actually blossom into a star in every facet or you're doing mm-hmm. a YouTube series and he's doing advertisements and he's mic'd up every possible opportunity. To me, it's just such a delight to see that again, whether he's your favorite guy, you know, you're a, you're a catcher. So, you know, okay. You're, you're, you know, you're sort of studying the catchers, but just no matter where you play and where you're a pitcher or not, you just got to say, man, I'm so happy. This guy is on our team. And it's like, mm-hmm. you don't know where his career is going to cap. He could just keep getting better. Yeah, if I don't under I don't think you can be a baseball fan and not be a fan of what you see out of Tim Anderson. Um, just coming from like the fact that it's like you know we're watching this uh, you know episodic thing on Tim Anderson that's been coming out and like just really putting it into perspective that he just hasn't been playing baseball very long. Like so, you could imagine like like what if this guy had played baseball you know since he was you know a, a, mm-hmm. a child, a young child, like a lot of these guys have. Um, I couldn't only imagine what kind of player it'd be. And then I think we're also kind of needing to face the fact that like in baseball, we sometimes come across a one of one. And I think Tim is kind of one of those guys, a one of one. It's like what yeah. works for him isn't going to work for everybody. It probably won't work for anybody else, but Tim, but like for whatever reason, like it works for him. And, you know, we kind of started talking about it in 2019, that like, Oh man, he's really important to this team. And then we saw it in 2020 when he missed some games towards the end. And then we saw it again last year and we keep forgetting that, there is just nobody more important on this ball club than Tim Anderson. Like it's just a different team when Tim Anderson's in the lineup and when Tim Anderson's not in the lineup, like everybody's talented around him, but like, there's just something about that guy that just makes him the guy amongst all these other great players to still have that magnetism and that pull and that effect on the game. Like it's just different. You know, Mm -hmm. it felt easier when Tim was out there. Like Mm -hmm. he just goes and does his job, you know, three hit games or not. Yeah. (laughs) You know, there's not a, there's there's not very long until you're going to get another one, you know? Right. It seems strange to connect him to a player from almost a hundred years ago, but in a, in a sense, he is an heir apparent um, to Luke Appling. He's a guy who can get the bat on any pitch. That's what's, so, you know, in addition to all the actual production, but just the fun that he brings and the fact that you really can't throw him anywhere. You, no. you cannot say, I mean, he's going to get a hit. If he hasn't already in his career, he's going to get a hit one day. Well, that's, that's right. I'll scratch that because they don't throw intentional uh, walks anymore. But if they yeah. were still having to throw four balls, you know, he's a guy who's going to reach out and poke a hit to right field at some point, because that's just a kind of. You know, yeah. there was the there was the clip, uh, I think, from last year where he was jumping to try to hit a ball that yeah. somebody was throwing back to the backstop. Um, you know, the remarkable and I think it speaks to him being this multi-sport athlete, certainly a great, great basketball player as a, a prep um, that, you know, he has skills that are so uncommon, including the mm. fact that you can't throw him anywhere safely. And he's if he's sort of locked in, he's maybe looking for the yeah. pitch. He's going to hit it no matter where it is. And we've seen him not just hit it like a Luke Apley might and just like waste. 20 balls uh, foul and into the stands, but he's actually yeah. going to put it fair, get on base and be like, yeah, yeah. It could have been yeah. down the heart of the plate or it could have been at my feet, you know, <laughs> but I'm on second base. Yeah. I think there's something to be said for like, you know, the fact that he hasn't been playing baseball very long also means that he kind of avoided a lot of the pitfalls of just like 
baseball group think like he just thinks differently like the way he approaches the game is different than a guy that would have been in little league and then in the traveling teams travel they're kind of they they are all very generic and very like i'm going to try to put everybody in the same box and like Tim is not going to be put in anybody's box, you know, like Tim is going to be Tim every day and it works for him. And like, it just can't help but root for a guy like that with that unbridled enthusiasm and just the love for the game. That's clear every time he takes a field. Yeah, that's a good point, Adrian. It's almost like he brings an international player spirit and background to the game because there isn't, and I'm sure even at this point, you know, the, we have, we have the, the, uh, the, the Dominican academies. I'm sure even there's some group mm-hmm. think there even, uh, yeah. but you know, the idea that it's like, well, I'm, I just sort of came to the game on my own. People sort of liked what I did. And it's like, all right. I said, you know, let's, you know, I thought I was going to be a basketball player, but okay, let's try this baseball thing. Is working out for him. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you approaches it more more like you would approach like you know a basketball preparation. Like they just they work on things in a different way than bat- baseball players do. So it's just it's it's hard not to root for him. Like he just is that guy. You know, like Jose obviously is going to you know go down as an all time great, but like. Tim Anderson is up there already, if not have already passed the torch, you know, like that's the guy, you know, yeah. Jose's the, 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 you know, the, the mentor and he's the old guy in the clubhouse, but like, I feel like everything in that clubhouse goes through Tim, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, not to, like, yeah, not to force the <laughs> metaphor, but I mean, it, it, production aside, uh, Tim is, Tim is the MJ and, and uh, yeah. Abreu is he's, the, uh, is the Pippen for leader. sure. He's, you know. he's both the leader of in energy and in, you know, he's the guy going out there first, you know, there's something said to be too about the guy that goes out there first to face the other team, you know, like, um, yeah, it almost feels like sometimes like you feel like that uh, was a Rick Sutcliffe used to tell a story about like, I get up there, like, I'm not going to waste any pitch- pitches on Tony Gwynn. I'm going to throw him a fastball outside, let him get his single to the right. And, like, <laughs> I'm not, it's like, let's not waste effort on this. Like, it feels like that sometimes with Tim, like, they're just like, just hit it to the right center, you know, hit it to right field, get your single and like, we'll go with the next guy. You know, I'm yeah. not going to sit here and take you know, 10 pitches to try to get you out. <laughs> Plus you just don't want to have to listen to him. Oh my God. I would hate to play against the guy. I mean, I'm sh- on one hand, maybe after the game, I'd be like, Oh my God, that was hilarious. What he said, but boy, if I had to listen to him for the game and I'm an opponent, I'd be like, Oh God, you're driving me nuts, man. Which is, which is another aspect of it. I imagine yeah. he gets in a few heads like, uh, like MJ used to. Uh, okay. Adrian uh, and um, Southside Sox listenership uh time to take a quick break and then we're going to talk about mm, maybe the rougher side of things we have to do it uh we are previewing the home opener later on today so we're gonna take a break be right back to talk oh i don't know about the arms i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
White Sox fans, Brett Ballantini here, hosting Southside Sox pregame podcast, third of this year, first at home. Uh, we are anticipating very eagerly some hours from now, the home opener against Seattle, three o'clock, and on the bump, it, just as you wrote it up, just as you fantasized about it, Adrian, it's Vince Velasquez yeah. getting the home assignment, and really, he's probably the best guy to actually do it. Arguably, uh, it's a frightening situation between Giolito injury, Lance Lennon injury, Carlos Rodon pitching on an entirely other coast. Uh, it's a rough rotation and we really, I mean, what are, what are your hopes maybe matched against your expectations for Vince here in his first official White Sox game and start? Yeah. I mean, I think we don't know, you know, obviously like it's the easy, it's like, it's easy to look and say like, all right, well, this is the guy that they brought in to replace for Don and like technically yes, but it's actually a kind of a, Kopech was who they thought was going to be, you know, replacing Rodon. And then they were hoping that Vince Velasquez was going to maybe be there in Dallas insurance. You know, it's turned out mm-hmm. to, you know, be a little more complicated yeah. than that. Up, but yeah. um, uh, so we're, we're just going to have to see, you know, we have to have a lot of faith in, you know, the pitching coach. Um, they really trust him, you know, to do the work. And he's shown already that, you know, through guys like Dylan Cease's, you know, progress and um, some other guys uh, that, Maybe, you know, he does have that ability. He was a, you know, a pretty high draft pick. If we're looking back at like 2018, you know, he did throw 146 innings and he was decently, you know, effective for a couple of years there. So like, he's got the stuff if he's put in a position, I think he just needs to really go in here and not try to do too much. Um, I think it's interesting that Tony decided to go with him for opening day when the crowd is a little more revved up um, than, go for Dallas who could kind of handle that situation a little more. He's been in those situations before where things are kind of, uh, you know, rowdy. Um, But I think he wants to, you know, get him a, you know, home opener. People are going to be excited to be there, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think uh, it might not be a bad situation for a new guy to come in with a lot of uh, eyes on you and, you know, give the best you can four or five innings and, you know, three or four runs, knowing that like your offense can, you know, easily do that. Um, they they have the offense to overcome any number of pitching. If they score 10 runs a game, like their pitching has holes, but it doesn't have the kind of holes that's going to give up 10 runs. Like I would be shocked if they have more than one game this year where they give up double digits. You know, they just, there's always going to be somebody talented coming out of the bullpen, you know, that could shut them down at any time. So maybe, you know, you know, Bummer and Liam didn't have the greatest game in game one, but like, you know, there's Kendall Graveman was very good. Bennett Sosa has been very, very good to start off, you know. Um, so I feel like they just have so many arms they can keep throwing at you. Kelly's going to be back soon and they just got to, you know, score runs consistently. So I think somebody like a Vince Velasquez just really has to try not to do too much. You know, you don't have to be hero. You don't have to be Lance Lynn. They're not asking you to be Lance Lynn. They're just asking you to go out there and give it a good effort. You know, <laughs> the good news for at least this first game with the day off is even if let's say best case is a couple times through the order, say he can get through five, which would be amazing and that would be i think more than the white Sox are even expecting given the fact that giolito because of injury couldn't get past for uh Kopech because he's being you know i mean i guess a little bit baby you know treated very smartly uh, maybe not super efficient um at, uh, start uh could only get through four uh that if you could if he could be the guy who goes the longest aside from cease out of your first four mm-hmm. games you would just be uh you'd yeah. be tickled pink and the good news if is if things do go south maybe he's not quite as efficient and maybe he can only give 
maybe a decent three or, or say realistically four, at least the bullpen for this game is set up where you've got uh, Tanner Banks available. You got mm. presumably Ronaldo, although I we're going to get to how this pitching is going to resolve itself <laughs> beyond a couple games from now. Uh, and, you know, in addition to, of course, the lights out pen and, and the arms are available, going to have a fresh arm or presumably fresh arm coming up in uh, Anderson Severino as well. Um, so at least for this game, there should not be an excuse for the home opener no. of, you know, like running out of pitches or not really having essentially your best guys available. So at least for this game, you feel pretty confident that even if it's a mm. traditional Tony La Russa bullpen game, which is like, whatever, just sort of throw the names up in the air, uh, that you maybe can't go wrong. You got to feel good at least for the home opener in terms of what arms can be thrown out uh, at Seattle. Yeah. And I think you just have to, uh, you have to look around you and realize that like, this is a much improved defense. Like I think Mm -hmm. some of the pitchers kind of have to like change the way they think a little bit. Like I know they've leaned towards like high strikeouts, but like that's how we've seen guys like Reynaldo and Cease in the past get into trouble when they're really trying to be up there, strike everybody out and hit every corner. Like sometimes you just got to make a good pitch and let them hit it and trust your defense behind you. Um, And Velasquez does have, you know, really good stuff. He's another guy that was up there, you know, a few years as a starter in Philadelphia, like, you know, high nines, uh, right around 10 K per nine. Like he's a guy that can get a lot of punch outs. Like you don't get that number in this league without having really, really good stuff, but it's just a matter of keeping walks down. And, you know, if they know that he's only going to be out there for four or five innings, like it makes it a little easier for him to not worry about, you know, pitch counts and you're not trying to go six or seven. Um, it's a different mentality also, but like, I think it can be all right. And I think they can, you know, kind of hopefully get by for a couple months here until, you know, we get all the starters back at the very least. Well, you're confident that they can get through at least a couple months before everybody's back. I'm worried about this week because as soon as game five uh, and the fifth spot in the rotation, which I guess technically, although it's already thrown up in the air, uh, as to what everybody, what number starter everybody is, technically Dallas Keuchel would be the fifth starter on this team. And Dallas is a veteran who has said before he knows what it means to have to go out there and eat some innings. And then he has more often than not, it seems, um, failed in doing that. And I would expect that it is going to be a real fight for him, especially combined with the fact that we do, he just because he's a veteran doesn't mean he had any more prep time uh, in spring training than these other guys. So he's not going to be, he's not going to throw a nine. So uh, you, you hope that this guy you can count on for at least that five, but mm-hmm. already by game two of this series, you know, the bullpen, you know, Velasquez isn't throwing seven. So, you know, the bullpen's already going to be a little bit taxed and you probably are holding, and this will be the next question, but you probably are holding uh, Lopez for the next start, because I think Larissa said ceases and coming back on what will be his regular rest. Mm-hmm. He's going to come back on his regular turn. So you do have to have somebody pitching the finale of the Mariners uh, series. So you're probably not really going to be able to use Lopez. So by even Keuchel start as, as early as the second game of this, uh, homestand you've got a potential uh, mm. crunch um, you've expressed some confidence in Dallas maybe not in the matchups because he's going to be facing Robbie Ray in his very first start this year not the best not the best draw maybe years ago it would have been a good draw not now uh, but I mean this is a guy who's really going to have to muscle up and 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 try to be efficient yeah. And give he really needs to give the White Sox five because the bullpen's already going to be a l- certainly more gas than it's going to be going into the home over yeah, certainly. And like, I, I really feel like we're, what we're going to see is some kind of uh, protracted bullpen game, whether, you know, whoever, if whether Reynaldo's out there to start quote unquote or not, like, I don't think he'll go more than two innings just to make sure that he's still available for <clears throat> other games. But 
Um, just the fact that they brought up Severino instead of trying to wait and bring up, you know, a starter kind of makes me feel like, all right, they don't have anybody down there that they feel comfortable with. So they feel like they have enough arms with Foster and, um, you know, you know, Ben Sousa could go do an inning, you know, like they have enough guys that could do one or two innings that mm-hmm. they'll just, you know, make it work. Um, I think Dallas is another interesting guy and another, um, I think, guy that needs to kind of realize that the defense behind him is a lot different than it was last year. <laughs> like last year, they had a kind of a lot of moving pieces, like the defense already, like Josh Harrison has brought like a, a level of defense, like knowing that like, all right, he's going to be out there. You don't have first baseman running out there in right field, you know? So like, <laughs> it's, it's just a much more professional outfit all around. Um, so, you know, if we can kind of use the metrics a little more, maybe shift as much as, you know, other some other the teams do um Dallas even last year with a really bad year was still you know getting 56 percent of his uh you know contact was on on the ground so like he's not pitching that much different than he has in the past it's just the success isn't there anymore so like he's definitely going to have to make some changes and you know work a little harder than he had to in the past when he could throw a little harder but um I think he still has the tools to be effective it's just a matter of uh you know executing and not letting things get away from him yeah, I mean, he's been since he's been with the White Sox. I don't, I can't speak to his whole career, but certainly uh, since he's been with the White Sox, he's been more of a you know the pitch to contact type of guy, and he seemed obviously flourished in a you know very short sample, you know, a mm-hmm. third of a season or whatever uh, in 2020, and then of course that you know went really south and in 2021. And I know part of that is yeah, he didn't get quite the you know the defensive breaks, the defensive execution behind him. Uh, the shifting. So let's just not assume, let's assume there's not going to be any change with the whole shifting thing. He's just going to have to pitch around that. And, you know, maybe some of this was just bad luck. I mean, as easy as it is to make him, you know, a real fall guy. And he does sort of earn it a little bit because he does open his mouth a little bit, which isn't the, you know, isn't the greatest. He was a hero when he did it the first time yeah. uh, in 2020. And since then it hasn't been so good. Uh, but I mean, you just hope that he's a guy who says, all right, you know, if it turns out that uh, Tim Anderson misplays or the, you know, tough position you chose there, but, you know, maybe the uh, first baseman in right field while um, AJ Pollock is still uh, out, maybe, you know, uh, muffs a ball they should have got. Well, I, you know, people are going to see that. I mean, they don't, they, they may lay that on him and his ERA, but we all, you know, people watching are going to know, all right, well, that should have been taken care of for him. You can't blame him for the six runs because, you know, uh, of the defensive execution. I mean, I, hope he would give fans enough credit to realize that it's not just going to be, let's look at his line and let's just get angry at him. We do want him to succeed. It is a bit of a surprise. He's even the, the you know, the fifth starter, even though he hasn't really proven that he should be in the yeah, rotation I mean, at all, but you got to use him. And we're like two weeks away from Tony, basically being non-committal. you know, before Lance Lynn's injury, Tony was kind of non-committal if Dallas was even in the rotation. So like, this is interesting too, because like he's the only lefty in the rotation. You don't see a lot of major league teams going out there throwing five righties. Like they like to have somebody to change it up, but like, you know, kind of have to go with what you have. Like you let uh, Radon walk. So you don't really have another lefty starter available. Um, maybe they have one in the minors that could, you know, make a jump at some point, but they're not going to do it this year. You know, that's so it's interesting uh, to even talk about Dallas not being in the rotation, but you know, that's kind of where we were And like after last year, you'd understand why, you know, but yeah. Um, I, I don't, I don't see them being as successful as we would hope they would be without Dallas giving them some number of innings this year, whether, you know, be 80 to a hundred, at least, um, Maybe nowhere near the 140 he needs no. for that 20 minute in the back, but um, it'd be hard to see them making up those innings with anybody else right now. 
Yeah, they gave him just over his mark last year for some reason. They're, gonna, they're definitely going to go just under his mark this year if they can be lucky enough to. Tanner Banks, a left-hander who could be starting, will be watching uh, Dallas Keuchel's uh, start very intently because, you know, he could – I mean, whether Dallas is in the rotation or not, whether yeah. Dallas is a gem, Tanner Banks could be starting. I mean, he's a guy that you probably put along with Ronaldo yeah. as as the other guys are going to make up some starts. Um, exactly. And then you don't know, the but, like, if you're going to – move one of them into the rotation do you have to send them down for a bit to kind of get ready and stretched out you know like it's it's hard to stretch out at the major league level and be used out of the bullpen so mm-hmm. yeah true uh and you know the good news i suppose is even though i think all things are still pretty clear for a decent uh opener weather-wise uh, apparently the the cold is a coming and you know who knows that could involve uh you know knocking some games out which would be a big help to probably every team but certainly to the white Sox. i mean there's no day off built in here no. where you can say all right well okay we can catch up you know cecil you know cecil get that next start uh you know they're just they're going on this homestand and they could i mean not that you're going to pray for rain or snow or sleet or whatever it's going to take a, a horrific ice storm in april but i mean it would benefit, uh, if not the players in this hot offense, it would benefit a pitching yeah. staff that's just in tatters and was going yeah. to be going in. They're only going to be so good. Giolito was going to give you five. You know, none of these guys are going seven, eight. So, I mean, it was already going to be really rough, even with as good a bullpen as the White Sox have. And now it's just gotten scarier because we're at the point now where we don't even know who the starter of the sixth game of the year is. And there's not an obvious choice. Like, well, of course it's, you know, of course it's Ronaldo, you know, and he's going to do fine and all that. I mean, we're, we're like, yeah, he's going to do fine, but you know, and we don't even know if it's him. We were all we were all very worried already about this rotation's ability to weather one injury, and then we got that injury, and then we never even imagined two injuries. Like, we didn't even get the season rolling to say like, okay, well, you know, like last year yeah. they were they yeah, were you, you know you so knew injuries good. were going to happen. Yeah. I didn't think that we were going to lose the number one starter before the season yeah. started, and the number two starter during his first start, and it's just uh, yeah, it's, how lucky yeah, rough start. How lucky we were a year ago. I was like, yeah. Um, August 1st. Yeah, that's going to be a first. I mean, we're, I think at a certain point, we're all just sort of pinching each other like, okay, wait, yeah. this is still going on. Rodon is, is cranking. Nobody's really getting hurt. Everybody's pitching actually pretty well. Nobody's mm-hmm. disappointing. Uh, you know, Keiko, okay. But then you could afford to say, like, oh, who cares about Keiko? You got four guys who are just all horses. Yeah. Uh, and, and they're out there. Even Keiko was out there. You know, yeah. not great nobody, results, but nobody, even the team like, you know, uh, Milwaukee, who's Milwaukee and maybe the Dodgers, like there's only a couple of teams that aren't looking for starters, you know, right now, but even they're like, you know, your fifth starter is still a fifth starter, you know, like you, as long as you go out there and pitch, you know, like if you give me uh, two innings every time out, all right, now we have a problem. But like, if you have a short outing every now and again, like it's your number five, there's not really a huge amount of pressure yeah. on you, but like realistically Dallas is pitching maybe in the fifth spot, but he's the, you know, maybe the third starter, right? yeah. you know, as far as expectations, you oh my know, God. need him to be that guy because right now it's sees Kopech and him, you know, like the other guys are like, you hope for anything um, out of the, any uh, of the rest of them, but like, you just don't know. It's a good segue, Adrian, you mentioned uh, 28 teams in the major leagues on the hunt for uh, starting pitching. It's the rumor that just will not die. I was going to call him Francisco, but I think his name is Francellis, right? Francellis, I think, Montes. I, I don't know. We call him Frankie, but I Frankie. imagine we should just use his name, uh, is seemingly a target for the White Sox. And it seems like the price tag that Oakland is asking for is Andrew Vaughn, who is as mm-hmm. hot and as strong a hitter has got, gotten out of the box 
uh, in the opening series in Detroit uh, as anyone. Uh, is that a price that you, if you're the GM of the White Sox agent, are you willing to pay? If it really was, and I don't know if this is the deal straight up, but if it was straight up, is, is that a deal that you would make? Um, Frankie Montaz as a player on his own is one thing, but uh, to only basically this year and then next year is the contract that you're um, bringing in. So like personally, I don't feel like that's worth it, you know, for one, one-to-one there. Um, I'd want, you know, maybe like for talking like four years of control on Frankie Montas, like, all right, maybe that's a different thing, you know, like for your organization and for your world series window. Um, but that seems like a, a you know, a, a steep price to pay for a guy that like would be slating in as your number three B, you know, like he's, as far as stuff goes, like he had a, a, a year probably pretty right on par with what, you know, Cease did last year. So like they're right in there. Um, I don't think you could definitively say one is that much better than the other. So like, that's a lot to pay for a three starter. It's not like you're going out and getting like a two years of, uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of somebody that would be, you know, a number of like, at least somebody that we've seen be a number one or number two Mm -hmm. or carry a team for a bit, you know, like, that's a different kind of trade to make like the Dodgers last year, making the trade for Scherzer, like definitely was a rental and they paid a high price, but like they knew they were getting a number one guy, you know, like, and that's different trade to make than it is to make for a, uh, right. A number three starter for two years. Right. And the price wasn't the same for Lance Lynn, of course, but that was the circumstances. They didn't know that they were going to get an extension with him. And the numbers argued extremely strongly against in fact, to the point of almost 100% of the time, that player does not sign an extension with mm-hmm. the team he's traded to. So, uh, you know, they, so yeah. the odds would have been that they weren't going to keep the guy and they really knew it was just going to be for rental. Again, not the same price. Dane Dunning and uh, Avery Lynch, of course, are not uh, Andrew Vaughn producing also, at the major yeah, league level. In the offseason, like there wasn't as much pressure. Like I also think Oakland knows that the Sox are kind of up against <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're, they see who's obviously, pitching. Obviously, they were going to ask. We all we all knew that yeah. Maya and Montes were both available, and it was always clear that Montes was going to be a higher asking point than uh, Manaya was. They were more interested in moving Manaya for whatever reason, uh, you know, age, left hand, or whatever, um, than they were into moving Frankie Montas. And, like, I wish we could just, you know, bring Todd Frazier out of retirement and, you know, shop him back for the, you know, when we <laughs> traded Frankie Montas away in the first place. <laughs> But it doesn't work like that. Um, yeah. I will admit that I was uh, I was on the trade Andrew Vaughn, you know, bandwagon, but I was on it a lot earlier. I wish uh, I was pushing the trade Andrew Vaughn for Lance Lynn back in 2020 mm. to, to be the number three. Um, and I feel like, you know, I knew what we were losing in the potential of Andrew Vaughn. But like I thought at that at the time, you know, we really needed that number three lockdown professional pitcher. And like, I thought they could have merely made a deep run in those playoffs. And then it'll really have changed a bunch of things because then now you're talking about having Dane Dunning still under control for, you know, three, four years still um, who's looking like a very serviceable pitcher, maybe not a superstar, but like now that's what you're looking for out of a number three and four, which is what you're trying to trade Andrew Vaughn for. It's it's just like, it doesn't make the sense. Like, I guess there's a name that probably makes sense. Like maybe two years of a Tyler glass. Now, if you knew that he was going to be healthy, like, well, that's a guy that I've seen be a number one I've Mm -hmm. seen perform in the playoffs. Like, that's not what Frankie Montes is. Like yeah. Frankie Montes yeah. is a guy that had a really good year last year and has good stuff. Um, but I don't know if I'd give up a, you know, whatever five years I think they have left of uh, Andrew Vaughn under 
uh, control, like five years of that, like feels like a better bet. Um, I'm nobody's untouchable, obviously, but I don't think I would make that move for Montas. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, straight up, you might just say, well, okay, well then we'll just keep Vaughn and score eight runs a game or try to shoot for that. And if we got to give up seven, because we got whoever, uh, you know, Rickon's cousin pitching, uh, tomorrow night, then that's what it's going to be. Uh, do you think, uh, however, if this rotation and this staff continues to struggle and let's even say that the offense continues to hit at a clip, they can sort of hit around some of this and maybe the white Sox are still Mm -hmm over 500 or 500 say on this homestand, but there's true struggle with the pitching staff. Do you think, um, you think Han has made a decision not to make that trade and that's just what it's going to be? Or do you think performance on the field could influence uh, the decision he makes and the pressure he feels to get another pitcher in? I don't think he, I think he knows the value of what he has in Andrew Vaughn. And I don't think he's going to deviate from what he thinks it's worth. I don't think he's that desperate. I think he's going to keep looking for an option um, whether it's Montas or not. And I think like this is one time when it actually benefits us that we uh, can't get Tony to, you know, run a uh, consistent lineup out there because like there's a chance a guy, you know, like Adam Engel looks really good or, you know, AJ Pollock started to look really good. Like maybe one of these guys, like you end up moving somebody like that, you know, like mm-hmm. there's, there's not a rule book that says just because we traded for AJ Pollock that AJ Pollock can't be the guy that gets traded out for a, uh, you know, a short-term pitching solution and you let Angle just play defense and let Vaughn keep hitting, you know, as much as possible. Like there are other options and maybe, you know, as the minor league system goes, you know, maybe one of those guys is looking really strong, you know, and like maybe Mm -hmm. as it, as it develops, I think, you know, your uh, options develop. And I just don't think, I don't see Rick Hahn jumping the shark again, um, with things the way they are, uh, especially after I think he's still feeling a little bit gun shy after the, um, the Kimbrel pickup that didn't really work out. Um, you know, the, obviously you could probably say that the Cesar Hernandez was a worse move, but like you didn't really give up very much for uh, Cesar Hernandez, but um, you gave up something, at least an, I guess kind of a known quantity, you know, in well, sure major uh, league production, which is a lot of major, the dividing line was, people usually yeah, make. You, which you is, gave up two major leaguers, like whether they're going to be great major right. leaguers, you still don't know. Time will tell, but right. like you, gave you were subtracted guys, from your team to get the yeah, other guy. You would love to have a Cody Hewer right now, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, like he's a guy that has the stuff. He's going to be a professional guy for a while. Yeah. Madrigal's going to be in the league for a while. Like, so you know what you gave up and you really didn't get that match back. Um, so. Yeah. Um, and boy, to think that we didn't do all we could, which might not turn out to be much, but didn't do all we could to keep one proven arm, which I know everybody wants to give the caveat and they're like, Brett, give it up. It's done. Yeah. He's in San Francisco now, but yeah. hey, listen, I'm fine. I'm fine with it. Like if, if that wasn't, I don't, I'm like, I wanted Carlos back personally, but like, if you went out and decided like, you know what, like, we just can't trust him, you know, health wise, like, well, I'm looking at a bunch of other guys that's contracts are not nearly as high as I thought they were going to be. Like Max Scherz is the only guy that got, you know, paid as much as everybody thought they were. Right. I'm looking at guys, you know, that are on pretty reasonable deals. Like, you know, Robbie Ray didn't get huge, right. huge money. Um, Gossman didn't get huge, huge money. You know, like there was guys, like if you wanted to make a competitive offer like you could have gotten a starter um you know under control for a few years and I know they're looking down the barrel at Giolito's contract but like 
you need more than one guy, you know, yeah. like you need more than one or two guys, yeah. like the best teams and the teams that win usually have at least three starters. You yeah. Know? It's not the old days where it's like two stat, two guys and you're just go for it. You need yeah, or the playoffs. playoff right. start. Yeah. Right. Especially as there's more and more rounds and there's more and more, mm-hmm. you know, uh, time discrepancies between the series that like you kind of need that third guy to be able to really be a good pitcher, not just a guy. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's an entirely different podcast and a podcast we had several times over the offseason. The idea that you don't do the basic diligence of at least making the offer so that you at least come away with the draft pick. If not, have the guy say, hey, you know what? The market's not too hot. I will take that 18 million. And geez, if you don't get any value out of me, well, you know what? I overvalued so bad last year. You can't really kill yourself too badly, although mm-hmm. you still feel terrible if Carlos Rodon could not pitch for you at all. However, they knew that wasn't the case as much as everybody wants to say there were secret medical somewhere that said his arm was falling off. That's clearly not, the, anyway, a definitely yeah. a different podcast and a podcast we addressed earlier. We can't do anything about not having Carlos Rodon with us now because I don't think he's available from the San Francisco Giants and I don't think we'd be able to meet his price. Hey, he, he anyway, might be available as a free agent next year. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. He, well, yeah, he is. If he pitches as well as oh, he yeah. did last year, this year, that's oh, yeah. going to be a one-year contract. Oh, yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> Maybe if he pushes, yeah, close. If he can just get through the whole season, he's opting out of that contract. But uh, listen, uh, why talk about a guy in San Francisco? We could talk about plenty of guys, I think. I have to look at the scorecard to know who they are. But, oh, look, it's Vince Velasquez. He is our starter for opening day just hours away. Thank you for joining us on this podcast as we are warming up to the home opener against the Seattle Mariners. 3 p.m. sharp, not 3 p.m. sharp, probably closer to 3.30, but hey, tune in uh, early. Listen to this podcast a couple more times if you need to. Get psyched up, get fired up about uh, how great this offense is and how I think Adrian provided some kind of roadmap to survival with the pitching staff. I'm probably more cynical, but maybe I chimed in there too. It is possible. And with an offense like the White Sox, you, you mean you, really, you you can be a little bit more lax with the ERA and Dallas Geichel said, he's listening right now saying, yeah, that's right. I can have a six ERA and I could actually be 12 and 11 as Adrian Serrano uh, picked me to, uh, to perform in 2022. So Adrian, thanks for hopping on for this. It was sort of a, a one-on-one sort of thing, but I enjoyed previewing uh, with you. Thanks for uh, taking the time and yeah, joining sure. up with me and listen, yeah. you're welcome post game who knows how many people if it's a if it's a big win maybe we'll have a lot of people if it's a loss maybe i'll just be talking to myself but we will have a post game podcast win or lose after the game probably be uh, later on tonight uh, later uh, publishing than uh, for the opener in detroit because the game does start later and i'm sure it's going to drag a little bit uh, but we will have a podcast post game where we talk about what happened in the home opener hopefully it brings the white Sox to three and one with a lot of fireworks cracking off and Number of great pitching performances, wherever they came mm-hmm. from. Vince, you're the first guy up. You get the ball. Hey, go nine if you can, but great performance of Vince. And let's just keep that line rolling. Uh, Adrian, yeah, do up. you do you predict was... a win for today? Uh, yeah, I think uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to rely on Robbie Ray. We're going to see what kind of, uh, you know, stopper he's going to be for them. But they're coming off, giving up, uh, you know, double digits to that offense up in uh, Minnesota. So it's definitely a uh, a bullpen, especially that, like, you can score runs off of. So I think uh, getting Robbie Ray out pretty soon, taking a lot of pitches, getting his pitch count up, I think it could be a a victory for them. Yeah, just wait it out. The White Sox have enough of a lineup that they can wait some stuff out. We saw it happen um, even in the one loss in in Detroit, sort of weigh these guys out and um, Adrian, uh, Andrew Vaughn or Adrian, we, we sometimes like to call him Adrian Vaughn. Adrian Vaughn just knocked the ball. You know, he gave the White Sox the lead. This, this team, I guess you could argue doesn't, 
quit. <laughs> doesn't yeah. quit for a different manager now, but yeah, doesn't quit. I, so yeah, Seattle, Seattle's got a lineup that's got a couple guys that can, you know, hurt you for sure, but they're not quite as deep as a team like uh you know the Sox or even that Minnesota offense is uh deeper than this team so like I think it could I think it could go well I think winning two or three in this series and just keeping it rolling and just keep winning series until you know Lance comes back I think that's the goal that's the mindset you know don't try to win every game just try to win series until Lance comes back and then we'll see where we're at and that's Adrian Serrano. He doesn't get to touch the Seattle series, but next series he's on Friday. Uh, he's already done with bird app recaps. He's going to be doing it again on Friday. He'll have a column rolling uh, next day. So, you know, he's going to be touching this homestand, just not immediately. Just, he'll just be our, he'll just be our podcast star. Uh, <laughs> let's root on a victory. Thank you everybody for spending a little bit of your pregame time with us. Uh, cinch it up, hunker down, enjoy the game, enjoy the big win and uh, come visit us uh, after the game where we uh, celebrate a post game win with a podcast. Uh, Check you out in, uh, oh, I don't know, 8, 10, 12 hours, whatever it's going to be. See you, everybody.